conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back. Today I am joined by Ben Scrivens, who is the founder of Fright Rags. Ben, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Of course. And for anyone who doesn't know, can you just quickly run down what Fright Rags is? Sure. We are the premier source for online horror t-shirts and apparel and accessories. We started in 2003. And uh, so this is our 18th year in business. And uh, yeah, we do we do pretty much apparel and accessories for horror films, action and, and other pop culture properties as well. I can attest that the quality of the shirts is amazing. I get some interesting looks when I wear my Michael Myers slasher one out though. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. <laughs> People at the stores are probably like, okay, this is a person I need to stay away from. <laughs> <laughs> Or you might get somebody who comes up to you and says, hey, I know that movie, and you can strike up a conversation. So that's always good, too. It's one or the other. There's no in between. Right. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) But Ben, I wanted to talk a little bit about how the company came about and then move on to what you're all working on now, because this is definitely something that you can tell just from looking at the artwork and the social media presence that this is very much a passion project for everyone who works on it. Not to say that obviously the goal isn't to still make money and earn a living through this, but you can tell that Fright Rags is really just a labor of love. And I really like it when you can see that with companies, especially in the horror community, because as many of the listeners know, but for those of you who don't, I also host a Stephen King podcast. And I know you guys have done a bunch of stuff in the Stephen King world. But when did the idea for Fright Rags really start to become a reality? I know you said it started back in 2003. So you've been at it for a while. But how was that process basically for you uh well well, first of all thank you for saying that about it being a passion project because it it really did start from there um i mean i could i could argue that fright rags sort of started in 1981 actually because uh i saw halloween when i was four years old it was october 30th 1981 and that was what started my love of horror i mean i was four years old and up until that point, <laughs> I had only seen like Popeye and, and, and Scooby-Doo and stuff. So um, seeing Halloween on television definitely uh, affected me. So I, I was a lifelong horror fan, always grew up watching horror movies with my friends. I was the one of my friends that wanted to watch horror movies all the time. And I was actually the only one, I'm the youngest of four. I was really the only one in the family that was into it. So it wasn't like I had role models or anything that got me into it. It was just sort of something that I gravitated toward after watching Halloween. So I've also always been a fairly creative individual. I've always been into art and drawing. I wanted to be a comic illustrator when I went to college. I wanted, uh, you know, I had a band. I was in music. I liked to write. I wanted to make films. So I always had this propensity for making something. And it sort of started bubbling up in my my mind around 2002, 2003. Uh, I was working at a job designing like print collateral and website stuff for a laptop ad company here in Rochester, New York, where I'm born and raised. And it was a small company and and it was a great company to be a part of. And I got to do a lot of cool things in it, but it was all laptop bag stuff. I wasn't really doing anything that I was passionate about. And during that time, 
my girlfriend, well, now wife, she and I were living together in an apartment and just before we got married and had kids. So we had a lot of extra time on our hands. And I spent a lot of time on online, like message, uh, message boards, things like that. This is, of course, before Facebook and even MySpace and any social media. And I just fell in love with these sites there. I could talk horror with other people and also see what fans were making, like a Michael Myers mask or a Freddy glove or a Jason hockey mask. And they were really high quality and way different than anything you could buy out there in the stores. And I just wanted to be a part of that somehow. I just didn't know what. So I started thinking, and I did have some experience in screen printing. Um, I've always been into sort of skate culture and bike culture and like sort of sort of street culture in that sense. And I've always loved design. I mean, that's why I went to, it's what I went to college for is graphic design. I've always been interested in, in, in logos and identities and brands and stuff. So I thought, I like weird types of t-shirts and I love horror movies, but I don't own any horror t-shirts. And when I looked online for some, I couldn't find many available with the exception of a few places. Rotten Cotton at the time existed and he had some really good stuff, but it wasn't something that I would necessarily wear. It was just sort of the poster art on a shirt, you know, in white and red and black, which is fine. But I just, that's not something I was like, oh, I need to have that. So as I was sort of, coming up with ideas and it wasn't just for t-shirts but other things i would just sketch in my notepad at lunch and you know on my lunch break or on weekends or something i came up with this idea uh again this was summer of 2003 so the what would jesus do craze was sort of sort of uh, a big deal at the time you saw it everywhere bumper stickers whatever and i thought what would jason do and what it, what would it look like if you did a ww hockey mask d question mark and that way People know what that means. You don't, you know, because you, you could put the J there, but it looks like what would Jesus do? But if you put his hockey mask, then people know. And it also spoke to my sense of humor and my sensibility. I kind of, I just, I, I giggled at it. It was funny. And it also was a horror related thing. So I come up with that design and a couple others that were pretty straightforward horror stuff. And I was on a message board called Night Owl Forums that my Good friend um, Justin Mabry, who ran it, he also went on to to form Trick or Treat Studios with Chris Efro. Um, he he made masks and other things. He's uh, an amazing sculptor, and he's like, "You should post these on my board." So I did, and so many people were like, "Oh, I would wear that as a T-shirt. I would wear that as a T-shirt." And because uh, I mocked it up, what it looked like on a T-shirt, and I it was really the first time I got a lot of kind of really good positive feedback for something I did. And I thought maybe I could do this. And I literally over the course of like, it was around Labor Day weekend in September, 2003, I came up with a name. I thought, okay, what's horror? What's t-shirts? Oh, Fright Rags sounds cool. And bought a domain name and came up with a basic logo and really coded my basic site and uh, ordered at the time it was online. I ordered my first batch of shirts and it was like 600 bucks for 60 shirts and kind of put them up and said, okay, people want to buy these, go for it. And that was kind of how I got started. It's so great to hear you talk about how much of a DIY thing it was, because I feel like a lot of these horror apparel companies really have started that way. And Fright Rags is one that caught my attention because 
you had these bigger designs on the shirts that were taking up, you know, more of the shirt. They weren't just, you know, sort of the title and things like that, like you said. And of course, again, like you said, too, nothing wrong with those kinds of shirts. But that's kind of what attracted me to Fright Rags initially. And, you know, as much as I would love to say my entire closet is Fright Rags, it unfortunately is not. But, you know, it might be one day. I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, it was just trying to, my whole uh, point of view and perspective was just trying to do something different. And even now, 18 years later, you know, we've evolved, we've changed, we've done other things. And, but yet, it's always come, it always comes from that core, like, what would we want to see out there? And it always starts from that place of passion and love for the the properties and the genre. Yeah, earlier it's funny that you mentioned Scooby-Doo because I've been on like this Scooby-Doo rewatch of the original series and now I'm on like the Scooby-Doo show or something like that. And I will admit, I would absolutely love to see a Scooby-Doo line with Fright Rags because in my opinion, Scooby-Doo is kind of like the ultimate gateway horror. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. And, and that was, as a kid, you know, I love Scooby-Doo. Of course, the villains are always the best. And we did... um Several, several years ago, gosh, six years ago, maybe seven, I don't even remember now, but we did a uh, limited edition shirt that was just the villains for Scooby-Doo. And it was something that we did unlicensed. We only had it up for a couple of days, but I agree. I, um, I would love to do Scooby-Doo officially. And we tried the, we've actually tried to get the license for that and a bunch of other things that Warner Brothers has, but unfortunately... They've been very reluctant to take on new licensees, and I've talked to them for, I mean, we're going on four or five years now of seeing them at their offices in California or seeing them at licensing show or emailing and calling and all these things, and it's just, I'm hitting a wall. But um, they keep, no, now's not the time, now's whatever. I'm like, okay, but just waiting. So as soon as we can get a deal, believe me, Scooby-Doo will be part of it. That is great to hear. And I clearly must have missed that unofficial release. But the fact that you do officially license pretty much everything now, from what I can tell, is that something that's been built off of relationships that you've made over the years with a lot of these companies? Because you've done Stephen King stuff. And obviously, the Stephen King stuff is kind of all over the place as far as the rights go when it comes to like, you know, the movies and stuff. But if you just want to do something that's like the book covers and things like that, I imagine that's a whole different scenario. But you've also done a ton of Halloween stuff too. So is a lot of this just built up relationships that you've made with people over the years? Yeah, for sure. I mean, when I first started out, nothing was licensed. I I, I knew enough to, to understand that what I was doing to me, wasn't I didn't feel like it was sustainable in an unlicensed environment. And at the time, it wasn't really for for horror merchandise or at least T-shirts. It really there was no real precedent there. I mean, again, there would be things once in a while. Like, uh, gosh, I remember like the mid two thousands. Old Navy did like a Dawn of the Dead and Friday Thirteenth and like two other properties that were literally just the cover art on a T-shirt for one season. Or, you know, Hot Topic might have a few things here and there, Spencer's. But it really, in terms of, and a lot of those were companies that were much larger companies that did tons of different properties, like, you know, comic books and other types of movies. And they would just add some horror stuff on there, toss it in Hot Topic or on Halloween, and that was it. 
But in terms of a more independent or boutique type company like us, that there was no precedent for doing licensed products. And even any, even unlicensed, there really wasn't too much out there. So again, this was 2003. So this is still kind of early days of e-commerce. And funny enough, uh, there was a couple other sites that started around the same time I did. And we, we didn't, I didn't know them or know what they were doing. And it was just kind of around that time that other people started getting into it. So I knew that I had to get licensing eventually. And I would take on these smaller titles and things early on where I, I could, you know, there wasn't an upfront fee and the, the deals were like a, literally a page long. It was really easy. Yeah. But as we got bigger and as things grew, it was like, hey, we got to start reaching out to companies. And then you start doing all the research, who owns what, and start contacting people. And it just, you know, in and around 2009, 2010 is really when I made it more of a play. Like, all right, we got to get more licensing. And as we did that, we just started developing relationships with pretty much every major studio. And with that, we just stopped doing unlicensed stuff because it didn't make sense. And we were able to make that transition over several years to really just be officially licensed. And that's, that to me has been a wonderful thing. I mean, it definitely makes it harder. Right. Um, it, 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 you know, just because you have the license does not mean you can do whatever you want. In fact, a lot of times you're severely limited by what you can do. <laughs> and, and I did, you know, nowadays companies are getting licenses left and right. Like it's a thing now, like you could almost, almost anyone can start a site now. And if they have enough money and, and enough of an idea of what they're going to be doing, it's somewhat easier to get, to get rights, which allows for a, a greater variety out in the market. Yeah. Is there any company in particular that was really tough for you to get, or did it sort of just become easier and easier as you had all of this other work to show to new companies you were approaching? Yeah. I mean, it definitely got easier. The one, uh, as we, as we went along and had a bigger portfolio, the one that was definitely hard for a while was Halloween. And Interestingly enough, it was one of the, of course, it being my favorite movie, it was one of the first ones I went after. And I talked to um, Malik Akkad, who was the son of Mustafa, who ran Compass Trinkets International Pictures, who produced the original Halloween in, in addition to part four and five. And I sent him, we had done an, I had done an unlicensed, like literally limited to 31 shirts uh, back in like 2004, I think. And it was just a, the, the pumpkin from the poster, no title, okay. no anything. And I sent him one with a letter basically wanting to get the rights, but here I am sending the rights holder an unlicensed shirt that I created to try to get the rights. Probably wasn't the best move. And he wrote me back and he was very nice. He's like, listen, first of all, I can't sell this. I'm like, well, okay. I only sold 31. It's not like, and if you want to come after me for money, I can give you whatever yeah. money, but it's not much. Um, but it wasn't that, it, it, but you know, we started talking and, those that conversation kind of fizzled out. I mean, unfortunately, it was right around the time his dad got killed. And um, oh my gosh, where was he? Uh, I want to say Belarus, but I could be wrong about that. It was a victim of a bombing, unfortunately, which is horrible and tragic. And of course, I was not going to be hitting up Malik saying, "Hey, can I get the rights now?" Like that. Just I was like, I'm not even touching this, you know, because this is not a good time. And then years later, we would talk to them, you know, and it, he would have someone working with him. We would get so close and then it was over. And then I'd get back to them and a new person started there. So I had to create, you know, 
establish a new relationship. And this happened for like several years until finally in 2013, we were able to get the rights officially for the, the 35th anniversary. And uh, we've had them ever since. So they've been really great to work with. And now definitely one of the best relationships we have. Sometimes you just need to be persistent in order to get things done, especially for something as big as the Halloween franchise. You know, it's one of those things where if you are selling horror merch, I feel like people kind of have an expectation of you have to have some of the big franchises in order for it to work. And, you know, Fright Rags now, if you go to the website and go to collections, you have some of the biggest horror franchises and titles on here. You have, you know, just to name a few for the listeners, American Psycho, Chucky, Halloween, Creepshow, Dexter. So you're dipping into newer horror stuff like the Hannibal TV show and all of the older stuff too with Halloween, the Evil Dead, so on and so forth. And I think one of the other things I've noticed at least semi-recently, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong here, but Fright Rags has been adding more colored shirts. So you have, you know, yellow shirts, blue shirts, red shirts, green shirts, and things like that. Whereas before when I would look, it was a lot of black shirts. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, you know, that shift, we've always, we've always peppered in colored shirts, you know, here and there, but right. we, we've made it more of a priority, I guess, if you will, because it's so funny, you know, anytime we put out a shirt, we always get the inevitable, hey, can, is this going to be in another color? And then we put out a shirt in a different color. And then you get the people saying, is this going to be available in black? And <laughs> so you can never, you know, we're not, we're not print on demand. So we just can't yeah. like offer like a variety of everything for everybody. That's not our business model. So we have to curate and make a decision about what we want to do. In addition to obviously, you know, we're listening to our customers and we, we, you know, we see what sells, what doesn't, you know, sometimes we think a certain style or a certain thing might work and you put it out and it doesn't, maybe it didn't work with that title. So you try something else, but different colored shirts, I feel, you know, they just, you want to be able to offer some sort of variety. And, and a lot of times when we put out a collection, you know, I'll stand back and look at it and go, these are like five black shirts and sometimes it works. Like for example, we've got a collection coming out tomorrow and they're all, no, actually one is a gray shirt. I, I take that back, but definitely the rest are black, but it's sort of our first foray into this particular title where something like Halloween or evil dead titles we've been doing for years. It's even more, you know, vital for us to keep thinking differently and not always putting out black shirts. So for example, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, we've done a few things for it already. We decided, all right, let's do a different color this time around and try something different in the summer, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, so far it's working. Yeah, and it's funny because I have a closet that has a ton of black shirts in it, but one of my friends pointed out recently since I've started doing YouTube videos that, you know, I'm wearing all of these black shirts in my videos and my bookshelves that are behind me are black. So it's like I was <laughs> blending into the background almost. And I was like, right. oh, so you want me to add color? <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, okay, 
you know, I'm going to browse around. I don't really need more shirts. I definitely have some colored shirts, but that's kind of when I was like pleasantly surprised with all of the different color selections on Fright Rags right now because you have the EC Comics collection right now as well. And, you know, you have red, green, and blue there, which given that those are based on comic books, you know, when people think of comic books, you don't necessarily think of a ton of black, you're kind of thinking more colors. So I think Fright Rags is doing a great job of knowing kind of what titles you can do colors for because there are some it's like, yeah, it's on a black shirt. Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And like you said, with EC, we had done black shirts a few years ago with just the cover art on them. And that was a while ago. And we let the license expire. And then uh, we talked to the, uh, to the rights holders last year about they, they actually contacted us like, hey, would you want to do some new stuff? I'm like, yeah, I think it's time. It's been a f- long enough. I think we should re- re- you know, redo some of these shirts. And so when we re-signed the new contract, I thought, well, let's do some different colors for our first uh, venture back out on this. And then we could always reprint the old ones or do some other black shirts. And it's funny because as soon as we put out the colored ones, you know, the first question was, are we going to be available on black eventually? <laughs> Like, well, no, no plans right now, but this is like just the other thing is, and I understand people don't always think this way. And there's a ton of other things to look at out there. We're not the only things that people are paying attention to, but we do a collection that might not just be the only time we ever do anything for the title. You know, we, we want to, it's easy comics. We'll probably do a couple different collections for this throughout the license but i get it people see it and they're just like hey it's not what i want so are you going to do anything else it's like yeah we will (laughs) yeah and with anniversaries and things coming up all the time it seems like there's opportunity to revamp the designs and kind of revitalize that specific franchise or license that you have too yeah absolutely and oh that you're you that's a really good point because we do look at anniversaries, especially milestone ones, and it seems like there is a new one every week. Almost. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, what what makes sense to do and what makes sense to like let go? But you're right; like it does give us an opportunity where if we had a design that we hadn't put out, like for example, the EC Comics collection, we had I think one or two other designs that we did not put out in that collection because they just didn't go. It wasn't cohesive. So we have another hat and I think one other shirt design. Uh, actually two other shirt designs that we said let's hold for a second collection because it didn't fit with these it just felt like the the odd items uh in the collection yeah so real quick how many employees are working at fright rags now since it just sort of started as a passion project for you how far has it come since then uh including myself there's eight of us okay still small but that's a good amount of people to have depending on you. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it, you're right. It, it, you know, and I never, I never set out to make Fright Rags like the biggest in terms of, of employees and volume and, and even, you know, revenue for that matter. I mean, obviously, you know, like you said before, it's important we're a company, we have to be profitable and we have to make a living. And like you said, you know, there's eight people now, seven depending on me. And it's like, you know, we, we have to make it work. But yeah, I like being small enough where we can still be very nimble. We're still a very tight knit group of people, you know, and we're very close. So I mean, I I prefer to keep it that way. Yeah. And with the way you have made these connections, and the way you have sort of figured out the production for it and everything, it really seems like you don't need 
a whole operation where you have like hundreds of people and it becomes something like print on demand, which I know people have varying opinions of print on demand. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. it's one of those things where it just really depends on the kind of experience you want to create with your company for not only your employees, but the people buying your merch. And, you know, we've talked mostly about the shirts and stuff here, but Fright Rags does offer other stuff. You know, I've bought enamel pins from Fright Rags and you have the lounge pants, which seem pretty popular. Oh yeah. And, and a lot of that, you know, it was born out of a couple of different things. I think the first thing it was born out of was just my desire to just basically I think about something and I go, oh, how would that look as a Fright Rags product, you know, like, for example, the lounge pants are a great example. My wife had purchased for me these lounge pants. Um, I think they were like from Kohl's or something. This was several years ago. And they were just my favorite thing. Like they, I think they were called like liquid cotton or something. I don't remember the name of, of even the brand or whatever. But I just remember them being so comfortable that I wore them all the time at home. And I remember thinking, wait a minute. What if I had some, what if I had Halloween ones? That would be cool. Like I wear Halloween t-shirts. Why can't I wear Halloween lounge pants? And so I literally started talking to companies and sent them samples and uh, came up with the, you know, we came up with designs with our designers and things and started making them. And the same thing goes for socks and other items. You know, it, a lot of it has to do with us sitting around going, oh my God, wouldn't it be cool to have, you know, blank. Or, you know, Halloween trading cards or Evil Dead trading cards or a trick-or-treat activity book. And once we all start just sort of really getting into something like that, it becomes this, like, mission to get it done. I mean, and there's a lot of hurdles. If we don't already have it on a license, we have to talk to the studio or whoever's in charge and say, can we have this to the agreement? That might cost more money. And there's other, there's a lot of logistical things to, to work out. But it's always born out of this from this moment of, oh, I want that right now. And it's, if we can get there with the product and everything else, hopefully we can work out, hopefully. And if it does, then hopefully it means people are going to dig it. When you're adding in these extra things, you know, I have seen people post about the trading cards in particular too, and you throw some in with every order, if I'm not mistaken. And it's just one of those little extra things that, you know, as a customer, you probably don't think about it too much because it's something extra thrown in with your order. And, you know, from your standpoint, you could be introducing someone to a movie they haven't seen. Yeah. And and again, those things even were kind of created out of this neat, like years ago, before I even had any employees, I would put the old Tops Fright Flicks cards, I would buy them off eBay and put them in each order because I liked collecting those as a kid. And I wasn't really into sports as a kid or in trading cards or anything like that, but I love movie trading cards. So, you know, I'm bringing the Batman ones and the Fright Flicks were one of the only horror ones that I ever got. I know they made like Jaws and, and um, a few others, but they, you know, they weren't for movies that I think there was like Jaws 2, right? Or something like that. They had the cards for it. There wasn't like the movies. It wasn't like Halloween or Evil Dead or Dawn of the Dead or something like, like that. So as that Fright Flicks started becoming more expensive on eBay, so I'm like, why don't I just make my own? That would be fun. And that way someone's getting a card that they can't even get anywhere else. And so I came up with this idea of the Fright Facts 
uh, or Fright Film Facts, whatever we call them, and came up with the first series. And just and I could control the cost because I was getting these custom made. I wasn't subject to the whims of eBay. And it was also unique to the customer. So, And we made it a point to never sell those separately because people were like, oh, I have you know five of the 10 of the series. You're going to sell the other ones? I'm like, no, the whole point of it is to have some fun and, and to not know what you're getting. Same thing with the Warhead. I always put in sour warheads in our in our packages we've been doing that for years because when i was a kid my friends and i not only would we watch horror movies but we dare each other with stuff like how many warheads can you get in your mouth and keep them in there and it's all about sparking that nostalgic place in all of us you know and uh that's that's really at the heart of it all yeah one thing i've noticed because i didn't really start getting into horror movies until quite a bit later in life. I had watched some things like, you know, the 1998 miniseries I had caught bits and pieces of as a kid, which, you know, that is definitely something that <laughs> could change someone. And, you know, I would go over to a friend's house on Halloween, and we'd always put on one of the big franchises. And I never really paid too close attention to them. So it wasn't until later, when I was like, okay, I'm going to watch these things. I still haven't made it through all of the franchises, but I'm like, okay, I've watched at least the first movie of, you know, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Chucky, so on and so forth. And for me, it's been very cool to see the horror community work together, especially when, you know, Fright Rags is making an announcement and you see how excited people get about these certain properties that you're licensing and things like that. And I know that not everyone can buy everything from a company, <laughs> but it's something where every time I see something, I'm like, oh, I haven't seen this movie, but that shirt design looks really cool. And I think people just going around and sharing them is something that, you know, everyone who builds anything always dreams for. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially over the last, you know, whatever, 10 years or so of social media, or at least, you know, having it be so prominent in our lives. It's amazing. You know, a good example of it, of what you're talking about is last year, we had a t-shirt, you know, we've had the Jaws license for several years now. And we've done a lot of different designs, a lot of successful designs, some not as successful. And one of the things that we tend to stay away from, um, for most titles is just kind of doing what's already out there, whether it's the poster art or something else. And not that we, listen, we've, we've definitely done our share of poster art designs and we do try to put our own spin to it, whether it's distressing it to make it look aged or on a different color, but it's just not something that we immediately go to. But with a title like Jaws, you start thinking, okay, well, what are some other options we can explore? And one of them was the cruise shirt design, which was uh, the kind of the, sh it was a full, uh, it's like a, but you're looking at the front of the shark with its its mouth open and it just says jaws underneath it. Now, you can buy that shirt, I think, on 50 different sites. And it's not even licensed. You can get it on a black shirt. You can get it on a white shirt. You can get it on whatever. Um, and this artwork came to us from Universal as part of their approved assets. Now, with just sort of a kind of let you know what that means, is basically when you sign a deal, sometimes the studio has already approved imagery and, and photos that you can use. You still have to get approval on the mock-up, but it's essentially already vetted for you to use. And a lot of companies just kind of take those images and slap them on shirts. 
We don't do that. We tech, we generally design our own. We use our own images, or we work with the images they're given, and we kind of mess with them using different you know methods in Photoshop, what have you. But this particular one was literally just the crew shirt design that you saw. There's an image of Steven Spielberg wearing it. Um, we thought, okay, let's do that. Let's let's do a vintage white shirt. Let's not do white. Let's make it look vintage, so it's kind of off color, and let's print it, you know, in that kind of dark maroon and. We teased it on Instagram, and it's funny because that post on Instagram had so many likes and, and comments. I mean, generally, just way more than what we're used to having on most of our, our, our posts like that. And we kind of started thinking, uh-oh, I think this is going to be this is going to be a big seller. And unfortunately, that blank shirt, um, the supplier was limited in that color, so we only got what we could, we got as much as we could get. We, we cleared them out, which was only about 175, 200 shirts. They sold out in probably two seconds. I'm not even kidding. We had so many requests for them to come back in stock that when we finally were able to do a full run of them, we sold so many more than that just because we were able to open it up. And again, this goes back to, we didn't know if this shirt was going to be a big hit. But seeing the reaction online and people posting and sharing and things, that doesn't always translate to sales, but this definitely gave us an indicator that we were on to something. Absolutely. And it's been so fun to see all of the things that Fright Rags has been dropping lately. And like you said, you have more announcements coming soon, which will be out by the time everyone is hearing this. But Ben, is there anything in particular you want to plug or just mention about Fright Rags before we wrap up here? First of all, to anyone listening, I just want to say thank you for your support. I mean, we don't take for granted that, you know, it's our our, our customers and our fans that give us the opportunity to wake up every morning to do this. I mean, it's been amazing to, to have something where I can wake up every day and, and love what I do and and Yes, it's stressful, and there are definitely days where I'm incredibly frustrated and and sometimes angry at certain things, but it's all because you just want to create something cool <laughs> and good, and, and you want to make people happy. Like, that's where it's coming from. So even those days are better than, you know, my best days working for somebody else on something that I wasn't passionate about, because all of the stresses and the anger and whatever frustration I'm feeling for this is all born out of a passion that you just want it to be right and you want to make the customer happy. That's literally all we want to do. And so, you know, we're just appreciative of everybody who supports us to allow us to do this. But other than that, I mean, we've got a ton of great things in the works. Um, One I'm really excited about, especially to kind of bring it back is, um, you know, we're working on the new Halloween Kills film. Um, which is coming out in October, but we were currently working on designs for that for that film and uh, really looking forward to it because I think they're going to be great. Awesome. Well, it was great getting to talk to you and learn a little more about how Fright Rags came about and what's going on with the company right now as far as how many employees you have, how you get your licenses and everything. So, Thank you so much for joining me today, Ben. Oh, thanks for having me, Dan. I appreciate it. All right, everyone. That does it for this episode of Welcome to Geekdom. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so through our Patreon. If you want to follow us on socials, you can do so at Geekdom Pod on Twitter and at Welcome to Geekdom on Instagram and Facebook. 
And as always, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.